What's up? Welcome to another episode of the Stairway to Seven Figures podcast, where we'll talk about financial literacy, personal finance, entrepreneurship, and occasionally other musings based on whatever's happening in the world around us. Uh, I am Ismail, I'm your host, and uh, this is Stairway to Seven Figures, because there's no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs, and let's face it. Six figures ain't what it used to be, so we need to earn seven figures just to stay ahead of the game. Now, where were we? Oh yeah, that's right, we're talking about mindset. Now listen, with anything you do, having the right mindset is extremely important. I mean, like you would have to be providentially fortunate in order to succeed in anything with a poor mindset. Now it does happen on occasion, but... Those are the outliers. Let's call them the one percenters. So you can't count on that happening for you. And if you're making plans based on that, like if you're you're planning, if your whole master plan for your life, for your finances, for your business, for your job, for your career, if your whole plan is based on you succeeding despite having a poor mindset, if you're, if you're thinking that that's how it's going to work under those circumstances, <laughs> you know, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but uh, good luck with that, buddy. Now, if you're poor, if you're broke, if you're struggling financially, right, or if you're just not where you want to be in terms of your career, uh, your business, even in your relationships, there's likely a contributing set of factors that are absolutely out of your control. You were not to blame for that. But there are always other factors that you can influence. So, as with anything, there's always more than one way to approach a problem, more than one way to skin a cat. So today, we're going to talk about mindset from a perspective that many people don't use. All right. So there's this technique. It's called inversion thinking. Inversion thinking. Now Charlie Munger talks about this a lot. Okay. Now if you know Charlie Munger, he is, um, you know, a partner of uh, Warren Buffett. Okay. But importantly, inversion thinking. What is it? Well, it's a technique where you basically solve problems in reverse. So I give an example, right? Let's say what you want to do is you want to raise happy, emotionally healthy, well-adjusted kids. If you use the inversion thinking technique, you wouldn't ask a question, how can I raise happy, emotionally healthy, and well-adjusted kids? It's not what you would do. You would do the opposite. Okay, you would ask the opposite question. So, for example, you would ask, what are 15 or 20 ways I can screw up my kids' lives so that they turn out to be depressed, emotionally unstable, and socially awkward misfits, right? Then, you could list out all the ways you can get that negative outcome. Then, to get the positive outcome you would do exactly the opposite of what you listed when you asked the question, 
what are 15 or 20 ways I can screw up my kids' lives so that they're depressed, emotionally unstable, and socially awkward misfits. All right, you feel me? So you see how that works? All right. Now, there's science behind it too, right? It's not just like, you know, somebody came out with something to be different. There's actually science behind this. So the technique works because research shows that our brains are much better at finding problems than solutions. I'll say that again. Our brains are much better at finding problems than solutions. So it's like, look, I'm sure you know, because we all know people like this, right? But I'm sure you know people who, like, no matter what the situation is, they seem to be complaining about something. Right? We all know people. Somebody who's always a victim, always negative, always complaining. And while that is clearly not a good look, it's not a good personality trait, right? The reality is those people are just doing what our brains are programmed to do. Find problems. Unfortunately for some folks, they get bogged down in the weeds and all they see is the problems. And they haven't developed the awareness to overcome the problems and find solutions. So what we want to do is we want to start with the negative outcome that we want to avoid. This is how we're going to use this technique to fix our mindset. All right. We want to start with a negative outcome that we want to avoid. And then brainstorm a list of ways to ensure the negative outcome. Then for our action steps, we're going to do the exact opposite so that we can get the desired outcome, right? So when you think about it, it's kind of cool, right? Because what happens is once you understand all the mistakes, all the pitfalls along the way to success, right? Between you and your goal. And, and that's like whatever success is for you in your context, all right? Once we understand the mistakes to avoid, and we manage to avoid them, it's like you succeed by default, right? Because the, just the mere avoidance of the mistakes will eventually get you where you're trying to go, right? So that's kind of cool when you think about it, all right? So now, although we're, we're talking about money, getting our, our money right, right? Getting our, our money mindset right. The way I do this right now, I'm, I'm going to keep it a little bit general, right? So that you know that you can apply this to any aspect of your life. All right? You can apply this to any aspect. So I'm not going to be specific about money right now. All right? So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a list, a short list. Uh, it's not exhaustive. All right? We'll just take a few ways. Of, let's go with 10. All right? Let's go with 10. I don't know why I picked 10, probably because it's an easy number, right? The way my ADHD works, you probably don't want me trying to keep track of like a real long list without a script. And uh, I'm typically completely unscripted. All right, so there goes that. So, um, so let's do this, all right? Let, let's go... Here are 10 ways to guarantee that you will be broke for the rest of your life. 
10 ways to make sure you'll be broke, busted, and disgusted for the rest of your life. How's that grab you? Sound good? You'll remember that, won't you? All right. So, now the the things that I list here, you'll be able to apply to other areas besides money. All right. But in terms of making the list, this is how I made the list. All right. So, again, uh, 10 ways. What did I say? 10 ways to guarantee you'll be broke for the rest of your life. Or 10 ways to make sure you'll be broke, busted, and disgusted for the rest of your life. All right? Number one, assume that you are entitled to wealth or success and complain about your circumstances. Assume that you are entitled to wealth or success and complain about your circumstances. That's number one. All right, so listen. Right now, <laughs> the world is messed up, man. But check this out. We are in the age of <laughs> of participation trophies. Can you imagine? Like, you know, I'm an old dude. Growing up in the 80s, you don't get participation. You get a trophy when you win. You dig? Jokers are getting participation tr- trophies now. Like, they just show up and get a trophy. This is one of the things that contributes to people being entitled now, right? So, you know, and then what happens is when you can get a trophy just for showing up, you feel like the world owes you simply for your existence. Now, if you want to guarantee that you'll be broke forever, go ahead and be entitled. Act like the world owes you something and don't take any proactive steps to making something happen. Complain about your circumstances. Oh, your family was poor. You're from the hood. You didn't go to good schools. You didn't have a rich uncle. People picked on you because you you look funny and you smell bad or whatever your deal is, right? There's always a million excuses. We could all make them. But one thing you got to know about excuses is this. Excuses are tools of the weak and incompetent. But people who get stuff done, they don't make excuses. They make progress. Now, it's probably a safe assumption that the Warren Buffetts, the Bill Gateses of the world, they, they became super wealthy because they were entitled and they sat around waiting for people to give them stuff, right? That's a fair assumption, right? No. All right, so that's number one. Number two, uh, start tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Don't do anything today. Chill out today. Start tomorrow. Right? Tasweef. Procrastination. In finance. And in business. There's a saying that says, A dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. A dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. Now, this is largely an acknowledgement that inflation causes the value of money to depreciate. Another way you can look at that is that there's an opportunity cost to delaying action. Procrastination is the enemy of progress. And the same thing could be said about perfection also being the enemy of progress, right? So why do people 
put off till tomorrow what they could do today. I mean, people have seminars on how to overcome procrastination, so we know it's a big deal and lots of people are doing it, right? Well, sometimes people delay taking action because they're not sure about what to do. And then maybe they become overwhelmed because they're not sure about what to do. Sometimes people procrastinate because they didn't really understand what they were getting into. Like, they didn't know how much work was going to be involved. So then once they see how much work they got to put into it, they're like, hold on, partner. I ain't signed up for all that. Right? So they freeze up. They start finding ways or excuses to keep pushing back the start date. Waiting for the perfect time to start something usually means never doing it. Because guess what? Real life is always going to creep up. Real life is always going to happen. There's always going to be an emergency. Someone's always going to need something. You're not always going to feel well. Your health ain't always going to be good. Sometimes you got a hangnail or a headache or whatever it is. And the world keeps turning. Right? So you can't predict what unfortunate circumstance, what unforeseen complication is going to come your way. That's Murphy's Law, right? Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong, and usually at the worst possible time. Alright? So that's number two. Start tomorrow. Number three. Never be accountable. And don't let anyone else hold you accountable. This kind of goes back to the first point, actually, right? So when you feel entitled, you also feel like you're not really accountable for your actions or your inaction. And that if you don't achieve your goals, it's because circumstances were beyond your control. So if you look at it, that's pretty much the opposite of accountability. Right? But you know what's funny? I've noticed this about people who, when it comes to, you know, getting their finances in order, you know, sticking to a financial plan, getting in better shape, eating better, sticking to a better diet or workout plan, starting a business, right? Anything that's for themselves, they'll struggle with, they'll procrastinate, they won't be accountable, but... Those same people have no problem going to work every day, punching the clock, right? Working in a place where a boss is holding them accountable. They're okay with that. They're willing to accept accountability for a paycheck. But then when it comes to like holding ourselves to a similar standard of accountability to achieve our own goals, things that are meaningful to us, right? Again, whether it's upskilling so you can make more money, learning a high-income skill, starting or growing a business, getting in better shape, creating wealth for your family. How many of us can say that we hold ourselves to a comparable level of accountability for our own pursuits or 
that we have an accountability buddy who will pull our coat and keep us on track, right? What's that saying? Um, it's an old proverb from somewhere from Africa or Asia or something, right? It says, like, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together, right? That's not just about having people support you. That's about accountability. You, all right? So number three, never be accountable. Don't let anyone else hold you accountable. Number four, surround people. I'm sorry, surround yourself with people. Number four, surround yourself with people who don't see, who don't understand, and who don't support your vision. Surround yourself with people who don't see, don't understand, and don't support your vision. Now, look, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And, and when I grew up, people were a lot tougher. Maybe it's social media, right? Because it seems like everywhere you look, everybody wants some external validation. Like we want people that we've never met, people that we will never meet, who don't live where we live, who are not paying our bills, right? Who are not responsible for our living or our dying. We want them to give us a thumbs up and let us know that they like us and we're good. Need that external validation, right? So then when trolls or, you know, quote unquote bullies show up online, lots of people find their whole game plan derailed. Now, personally, right? <laughs> I'll go ahead and admit, right? Having yourself surrounded by people who think you're a loser and think you're going to fail, um... Yeah, that's, that's really motivating and inspiring, right? It's like if you caught the first uh, episode of the podcast, right? When I told you the story about me going to the uh, summer program before my freshman year in college, right? I had all the students, the, the counselors, the teacher, everybody told me I was a loser, I was going to flunk out. That was motivating and inspiring. I got in a lot of fights, but you know. But they didn't see, didn't understand, didn't support my vision. Cool. Everything ain't for everybody. Everything ain't for everybody. It's cool, right? There's seven and a half billion people in the world. We are not always going to agree. It's okay. I stayed on my path. And I graduated before at least 80% of them, because not all of them jokers even graduated. Some of them jokers flunked out after after the first semester. Some more flunked out at the end of the first year. Some of them flunked out by the end of their sophomore year. You dig? And for the 20% that were left, they graduated with me, not ahead of me. You know what I mean? I could have graduated ahead of them if I wanted to. Why? Because I wasn't beat about people who didn't see my vision. Number five. Measure your success by other people's standards or expectations. This is a good one. Kind of goes with the previous one too, right? Now again, we can look at social media. We can look at social... Look, have you noticed... Maybe it's just me, right? Because 
I mean, I didn't really notice it before, but now that Yahoo is like the my homepage on uh, Google Chrome, so I always see the news, right? It used to be NFL.com. I probably need to go back to that. But anyway, have you noticed that like every month, sometimes every couple of weeks, there's another prominent celebrity, influencer, entertainer, who's committed suicide? Like, is it is it just me? Because I'm noticing that heavy now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have people throwing themselves out of windows all the time now. Or, you know, pills or gunshot wounds or whatever. So I'm like, okay. It seems like depression and mental illness are now at an all-time high. Like, why is that? Why, why are so many people around the world so unhappy? Think about that. See, I'm, I'm going to argue this. I'm going to argue this. I believe, and if you have a good counter-argument, I'm open to hearing it, but I believe that most people, I'm not saying everyone, I'm saying most people, the majority of people, Somewhere between 51% of people and, I don't know, 80% of people, I'd say, right? I believe that most people could find contentment. I'm not saying bliss and absolute, you know, happiness, but at least contentment in their lives. If they were left alone with their loved ones and they were isolated from the rest of the world. Right? So they're on a, a ranch in Montana somewhere and they don't have an internet connection. For example, right? They're in the, you know, up in the Poconos somewhere away from people. And in those circumstances, I think most people would find contentment. Right? They got shelter, they got food, they got people to talk to, people that they love. Like, what else is there? The problem, though, comes when you start comparing your day-to-day life with other people's highlight reels. Now, that can turn depressing pretty quick. Because then it's like, no matter what you accomplish, you feel like it's not enough or it's not good enough. Right? And then... What happens then? Like depending on any other, any number of other circumstances that could, you know, throw you into a depression or who knows what, right? That's number five. Measure your success by other people's standards or expectations. And just to add one more note to that, right? When it comes to living a rich life, A rich life, I'll talk about this later in in a different podcast, but a rich life is not about what's in your bank account. A rich life is going to be based on values, principles, right? When those come together a certain way, then even if you don't have a lot of cash, you will have a rich life. Number six, moving on to number six. 
Pick a spouse who criticizes you for working constantly to achieve your goals, right? Pick a spouse who belittles you, who harasses you, who criticizes you, who blames you for working constantly to achieve your goals. This is one a lot of people don't think about, but check it out. A lot of us, by nature, right, are people pleasers. Even when it's low-key and undercover. And you see this a lot when it comes to dealing with a spouse or a significant other or whatever, right? So you hear people, right? Or even you might find yourself doing this, right? But you might hear people saying things like, yeah, I I don't agree, but it's just easier not to argue. Or I'm going to go ahead and do this. Or I'm, I'm going to not do that just because I don't want to hear their mouth. But when you do that, you will effectively kill your dreams because you're getting pressure from inside your own house. Now, let's be realistic. And, and listen, I... <laughs> I am not telling you to go home and start a fight and end up divorced. That is not what I'm saying because I don't have room on the couch for you. All right. But let's keep it a buck. The same person complaining about the time that you're spending working towards your goals would probably also complain about you holding fort and maintaining status quo. They complain if you stay broke, if you stay sick and unhealthy. You stay miserable, right? Wouldn't someone who really cares about you not want that for you? Yeah, I mean, you got to dribble or shoot. That's all I'm saying. Number seven. Number seven. Fail once and quit. Fail once and quit. You know... And I've been a business coach um, for a number of years. And, and I can't tell you how the number of people who tap out at the first sign of difficulty or failure. And it's a growing number, too. It's astonishing. And it's like, yo, where does that come from? Like, it goes back to entitlement, right? Why do you have an expectation that you can do something that you've never done before? You're going to go out the first time and do it and succeed? You're not going to have a setback? You're not going to have a hiccup? Where do you get that expectation? Where does that thinking even come from? That's entitlement. Alright, so I'll give an example. Let's say, for example, if we take sports, right? Mike Tyson, Iron Mike. He wouldn't have been the baddest man on the planet if he quit after his amateur losses, right? Because he he had some, he took some L's as an amateur. He wasn't undefeated as an amateur boxer. He took some L's, right? What would have happened if Tom Brady quit after his first Super Bowl loss to the Giants? He lost to Eli Manning too, right? That's a anyway. But what would have, what would have happened? Now, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, we have a saying, all right? 
Tell me if you know what the saying is. In, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, we have a saying. I'm going to pause so you can say, if you if you have a good guess of what saying I'm going to mention here, go ahead and say it. Let's see if you're right. All right. Now, I'm not talking about that one, right? Because a lot of people are going to say, like, when we're sparring or rolling, right? At the end, like, when we talk about how it ends, how does it end? The saying is... <laughs> That every rolling session or sparring session ends one of three ways. Tap, snap, or nap, right? That ain't the one I'm talking about, though. It's the other saying that we have, right? In BJJ, you either win or you learn. So anyone who, ever, who, who, who tries to tell you that they've never lost, they never took an L, never had a setback, I'm telling you. Either they are lying to you, or they've never tried anything. Because there's no way a person does something they've never done, they've got no experience, no skill, and they just come out winning, and they never take a step backwards. Get out of here with that. That's not even, like, a rational adult mind would never even accept that thought. So keep it pimping with that, alright? Now... Again, anyone who tells you that they never lost, right, never had a setback, is either lying or they never tried anything. And five, it gets you ten. Anyone who's risk averse like that won't accomplish anything either. Now, my high school football coach, Tony Verducci, right, a New Jersey state legend, by the way, he used to say, listen, this is football. You're going to get knocked down. It's a tough sport. I don't care if you get knocked down. What I want to see is how fast you get back up and get into the play. Now, if you know Tony Verducci, you know that that was the sanitized version because we're trying to keep this PG-13 or G rate, you know, suitable for all audiences. But you get the point, right? You get knocked down, you get back up, you get back in the game. So, failing once and quitting should never, ever be an option. Number eight, be okay with being average. Be okay with being average. Now, this one here, average, if you know me, like anyone who knows me will tell you that I hate average i hate mediocrity you know what i mean like my kids will tell you i beat it out of my we ain't doing mediocre <laughs> like i can't right average is a death of ambition and achievement like that's one that's a real good way to stay broke is go ahead and be be okay with being average be average and be happy being average look let me tell you something the marketplace now, that's whether you're a business owner, entrepreneur, right? Or whether it's with a career. But the market rewards value. The market rewards value. Now, there's a saying, right? And it makes a lot of sense. Hear, hear me out. Hear me. You may disagree, but hear me out. There's a saying that says, unless you're a doctor... Or medical professional, right? A lawyer, an engineer, 
or a scientist. Again, unless you're a doctor slash medical professional, lawyer, engineer, or scientist, you will never get rich doing anything that you need a degree for. Because literally, anyone with the same degree could do the same thing. And that means you are average. Nondescript. Nothing special. Think about that. Think about the wealthiest people in the world. How many of them got that wealth by doing something that they needed a degree to do? See what I'm saying? Look at how many of them don't even finish college. They drop out. You understand? They do something not everyone else can do. Even the ones that have a degree. They're not rich because they're they're doing a degree job. The degree was circumstantial. But what they innovated, what they brought to the marketplace, was much greater than the book learning and the value of the degree where they would be compensated like everybody else who has the same degree. All right? So don't be okay with being average. My grandmother used to say, be careful who you hang around. Because if you have five broke friends, you'll be the sixth one. That was an early warning about being okay with being average. Number nine. Make money and then spend more than you make. Look, making money is easy. That's the Making money is easy. You know what I mean? Like there's 50 ways to get figures. I mean like that making the money is the easy part. Keeping it for most people is what's hard. And I see it all the time. Look, I've, <laughs> I've done it myself. I ain't going to lie to you. You know what I'm saying? I've done it a couple times myself. Right? So what happens? You get a job, you make some money. You get a better job, you make more money. You start making more money, you start upgrading your lifestyle every time you make more money. You know what that means? That means, inevitably, you are going to start spending more than you make. And when that happens, you're going to start taking on debt. And not, not even the productive debt, right? This is like the kind of debt that just weighs you down like an anvil in the ocean. And then you'll always be behind eight ball. You'll always be behind the eight ball if you always upgrade your lifestyle because you start making more money. You will always be behind the eight ball. You will guarantee yourself being broke until you die. Delayed gratification is a real thing. All right? Get on that. Get on that. There have been studies, right? The marshmallow test, for example, right? I know a lot of you probably have heard about the marshmallow test. But if you have, and it works like this. So, you know, you have psychologists, they bring these kids in, and they give them an option. Hey, kid, you have a choice. 
I can give you one marshmallow today or two marshmallows tomorrow. Those studies that were conducted, they followed the kids and contacted them later in life when they were, you know, into their careers and professionals or what have you. You know what they found? They found that the kids who opted for the two marshmallows tomorrow, in other words, delayed gratification, they were across the board more successful in their careers and with their businesses than the kids who wanted immediate gratification and took the one marshmallow today. Think about that. Number 10 in the list of ways to make sure you stay broke until you die. Assume you're always right and that you know everything. That's it. Be right. Always. Like you're never wrong. (laughs) There's nothing for you to learn. You got it all. It's your world. We're just squirrels trying to get a nut. Right? Being arrogant and narcissistic is a sure way to make sure that you don't grow. And look, I've heard the excuses. I've heard them from the best of them. I have such and such degrees. My experience is like this. I know this, 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 and this, and this. And I'm like, yo, bro, you serious? What you want? Like Like, you serious with that right now, for real? Let me give you an example. And I always come back with this. I give them Mike Tyson, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Serena Williams. I'm like, all of these athletes are in a conversation to be called the GOAT. The greatest of all time, right? Greatest of all time in their respective sports. They weren't just champions. They were dominant. But you know what else? They all had coaches. They all had coaches. Tom Brady didn't come saying, listen, dude, I already got like three Super Bowl rings. I don't need any more coaching. No. He went out and hired more private coaches to coach him when he was away from his team. You have to be humble enough to admit that you don't know it all and that you can't do it all by yourself. And you have to be humble enough to try to understand what it is that you don't know because you don't know what you don't know until you don't know. But you got to be humble enough to put yourself in that position. Now, that was the list of 10. All right, so let me rehash that in case, you know, you forgot some of them. So number one was, again, and this is um, 10 ways to guarantee that you'll be broke for the rest of your life or 10 ways to make sure you'll be uh, broke, busted, and disgusted for the rest of your life. So number one. Assume you're entitled to wealth or success and complain about your circumstances and don't do anything about it. Number two is to start tomorrow. Number three, never be accountable. Don't let anyone else hold you accountable. Number four, surround yourself with people who don't see, don't understand, and don't support your vision. 
Number five, measure your success by other people's standards or expectations. Number six, pick a spouse who criticizes you and dogs you out for constantly working to achieve your goals. Number seven, fail once and tap out, quit. Number eight, be okay with being average. Number nine, make money and then spend more than you make. And number 10, assume that you're always right and that you already know everything. All right, now, if we want to give a prescriptive recipe for attaining success, how to fix our general mindset, all right, and this is especially applicable to money, all right, then using this inversion thinking is a great way to start working on fixing your money mindset, all right? So, again, make a brainstorm, a list of all the ways you can screw it up. Then do the exact opposite, all right? So, if I were going to list them out, but the opposites, right? So this is the positive iteration of what we already mentioned in the negative. All right, so number one, assume that you were not entitled to wealth and that you have to work hard and work strategically to earn or create wealth. That's number one. Number two, start today. Tomorrow isn't promised. Start working on fixing your personal finances and creating wealth today. Number three, hold yourself accountable for creating a wealth plan and find at least one accountability buddy to help you stay on track. Number four, surround yourself with people who see, who understand, and who support your vision. Number five, never Measure your success by other people's standards or expectations. Rather, measure your success by your values and your own principles. Number seven, pick a spouse who will support you working relentlessly, relentlessly, relentlessly to achieve your goals. Number seven, fail once and get back in the game and fail twice and get back in the game and fail until you succeed, but never give up. Number eight, be allergic to being average. Set your goals, your sights, and your standards on being exceptional in everything that you do. And work to develop your skill, your craft, your experience, your know-how, so that you can be exceptional. Do not ever settle for being average. Number nine. Make money and spend less than you make and always invest some of your money. Make your money, make more money.
And number 10, assume that you know nothing and start from there. So, this is just one technique that we can use in order to fix our mindset. All right, one technique that we can use to fix our mindset. And again, this technique can be used with any mindset setting or perspective that we want to deal with, right? So you can use it for fixing your money mindset or doesn't have to be that. It could be for getting your health in order or fixing your relationships or for career success. Anything where mindset is going to be a determining factor, which happens to be most things in life. Using inversion thinking could unlock new levels of success for you. And like I said before, if you do this, just by recognizing the stumbling uh, stumbling blocks and the pitfalls and avoiding them, you put yourself in position to succeed almost by default as long as you continue to work towards your goal. So, with that being said, we will end here, and I'll see you in the next episode. This has been Stairway to Seven Figures, because, like I said, there's no elevator to success, especially financial success. you got to take the stairs. And let's face it, $100,000 ain't what it used to be. So forget six figures. We need to focus on making seven. Y'all take care. Be good to one another.